This is the Urban Jellical Podcast. Hello, this is Mike Kelly, and you're listening to Urban Jellical. Thanks for being a part of our podcast. I'm with a longtime friend, a brother that I have real affection and respect for. David Scott is in Puyallup, and he's going to talk to us about his life as an ordinary pastor at an ordinary church doing ordinary things. Because our conviction is that that is the engine that's driven the church all across the globe for thousands of years. And so we want to value that, lean into that, learn what it's like, what it's not like. And I'm very thankful, David. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, let's start with a little bit about your background and the church that you serve. So let's cue people up with some context. Yeah, well, I grew up in North Seattle. I'm a Seattle kid. I'm right in your neck of the woods, actually, Northgate Mall, and attended a Christian and Missionary Alliance church growing up, North Seattle Alliance, and had godly parents. My mom's a Baptist preacher's kid, and uh, I still talk to them almost every day. They're wonderful uh, prayer warriors and supportive, loving parents. I uh, went off to college at Biola for two years, uh, then the Trinity Western and up in Canada for two more years, graduated there, um, worked in the business world for a couple of years, and then decided I was supposed to go to seminary. Didn't think about ministry at that point, just got into theology and was excited about it and went to RTS Orlando and um, was there for three years, came back home, got a job uh, through my sister at an advertising agency in downtown Seattle. Uh, met Sarah, my wife, Sarah, and then decided, you know what? I am called to ministry after all. And so <laughs> we went down to, um, and some of that time I spent worshiping at Green Lake. Presbyterian. I remember, sure. Yeah. And uh, went down to Westminster Seminary in California for a couple more years to get the MDiv. Um, so yeah, that, and then began having conversations through your connection, actually, with Eric Irwin began to have yes. conversations with Eric at Covenant Pres Issaquah about their search for an associate pastor. And um, so it came on board at, at Covenant Issaquah 2001, so 20 years ago, uh, which was crazy. Um, and, uh, and then planted Resurrection here in Puyallup 2007. And uh, yeah, we're plugging away. We've got four kids, ages 20 to 15. So... Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, I uh, I knew we knew each other for a long time, but I wasn't thinking it was over the twenty year mark. So yeah. that's crazy. Uh, so here you are at Resurrection since uh, when? When did when did that happen? Twenty eleven. Well, the core, core group began to meet in a home in in late two thousand seven. Oh seven. Okay, I was yeah. I was way off, and it was a it was a blessing for the network to be part of part of that effort. And you guys have done a super job. So, so now you're into this pretty deep, you know, it's this, this relationship with the resurrection is, uh, has uh, stuck around. Is the church what you envisioned it to be? Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm imagining yes and no. So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's a it's a wonderful group of people who are trying to follow Jesus. It's a loving, supportive, um, you know, Bible saturated group that wants to glorify Christ. And um, I feel very blessed, um, 
you know, probably the, the way it's different. If you would have asked me that three, four, five years ago, I would have said, well, it's not sexy enough. It's not lively enough. It doesn't have cool enough music. It needs more, uh, more cutting edge things. And, uh, now I'm not really as worried about that stuff. Now the parts where it's different than what I would have hoped is more about culture and politics and how people are so discipled and so catechized and shaped by uh, cultural things, not by gospel things. And, um, you know, one of our elders put it to me this way the other day. He said he worries when people are shaped more by the Bill of Rights than the Beatitudes. And, wow. um, you know, and just c- combine that with uh, the tumultuous events of the last couple of years and uh, throw the, you know, lar- larger term, um, longer term expressive individualism piece into it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, but it's a lovely group of people. I feel extremely blessed. Um, I just wish I wish I wish people would be shaped much more by Jesus than by tribes and politics and those kinds of things. Yes, I think we all do, and I think even even the the people themselves want to be shaped by Christ. Uh, you started this work wanting to be a pastor and a church planter. So now that's the world you're pastoring in. Yeah. Do you find that satisfying? I know it's challenging and I'm sure sometimes it's frustrating, but everything you just mentioned is an opportunity to shepherd someone towards the gospel. And since I've known you for a while, I know that's really where your, your heart beats. Yeah. I mean, that is my heart to shepherd people and to say, all right, this is a challenging time, but it is an opportunity and to say, all right, which themes am I going to now emphasize in my preaching that will help pull people towards a greater purpose and a more transcendent gospel and uh, out of the smaller ways of thinking into something that's richer and fuller and longer lasting and unites people from every tribe and tongue and nation and taps into the riches of, of church history and this wonderful gospel that we have you know, that's summarized in like the Nicene Creed. Um, and it's, it's a much bigger thing. And, and we're all starving for something bigger than ourselves. Even people who are, anybody will acknowledge, I want to be part of something bigger. I want to do something more meaningful than what I can do as an individual. And so I, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what themes, what books of the Bible I'm preaching through First Peter, which is sort of you know, yeah, living that connects, yeah. Sojourner, exile, you know, having different values and, and being rooted in Christ more uh, as your identity than anything else. So, none of us expected to be in 2020, 2021. I mean, that caught us all off guard, but we, we certainly envisioned ministry uh, and we knew that it would be hard. Uh, if we move back before uh, some of the driving things that, shaped our vision aside, of course, we would all say, well, it was from the Bible. Uh, what were your ambitions when you started this journey and how have they changed uh, now that you're, uh, you know, you're not an old man, but you're an older man. So 52. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think initially I just wanted to follow the Lord's leading. I wanted to help people. I wanted to serve people. I wanted to help them understand scripture and to grow close to the Lord. I mean, I grew up in that Christian Missionary Alliance circles where the two big things were you have a quiet time, you know, you read A.W. Tozer, you, you have a quiet time, 
and then you have and then you give half of your church's mission uh, budget to the missions overseas okay. mission and so those were the big priorities and so that was in my dna i came into the whole okay. Presbyterian world later and so i was hugely shaped by that more of a pietistic vision and that was There's, you know wonderful stuff about that yeah, there's a lot of rich treasures in that that we we need to drink from. So, absolutely. So, I think uh, the not so good parts of my ambition were, uh, you know, things like people pleasing and finding myself and and sort of uh, you know using ministry as a way to to uh, find an identity and and those are I think common to pastors. I have no idea what you're talking about, David. I love to, is there a book or something I could read about that? So no, I know exactly what you're, what you're speaking of. And it's actually a, a theme of these discussions about, uh, so our ambitions change. Uh, let, let's talk about doing ministry now. Yeah. Uh, if I put you in a corner, like I, I'm going to do right now and said, uh, how would you answer, how would you finish the sentence, I do this because? Uh, what do you do this because of now? And uh, has that changed? It's related to ambitions, but it's, I think, a little bit deeper. Yeah. I do. Go ahead. Yeah, I, no, I think I think earlier it would have been, I do this because I'm not quite sure what to do, and these doors are opening up, and people are telling me I should maybe think about ministry, and I know that will be honoring to the Lord and and... It was, it was kind of a little bit more like, um, but it was still a lot more about people. Okay. I think now it is deep, more deeply rooted in God and himself and who he is. Like, like he is worthy and he is great. And like, I'm obsessed over the last six months with the doctrine of the Trinity. And I've been reading, you know, on that topic a whole bunch and kind of going back and getting an education about the doctrine of the Trinity and it's just so rich. And, and somebody came in my office and was looking at all these books in the Trinity and said, you know, why are you doing this? Are you like debating Unitarians? And I said, no, this is just, <laughs> this is just who God is. And it is glorious and infinite and immense and majestic. And I just want to know him. And it's kind of like you read these old guys like Anselm, Augustine, and you, they're not dusty and dry and academic. They they want to see God. They want the beatific vision. They want to know God and to have a personal encounter. And that's kind of what's driving me these days is, Wonderful. Uh, is worship. And then, you know, underneath that is the call, right? We all need to go back and say, why am I doing this? Well, I believe I'm doing this because God called me. I, I know he called me to this. And every time I've ever tried to get out of it or, you know, gone on a retreat and said, Lord, you know, let me out of this deal. Uh, he always just said, I can sense that he's saying, you know, we're not Presbyterians. We can't say I heard a voice, but no, no, we can't uh, say that. And we'll take, we'll, yeah. we'll edit that out of this. Right, right. Edit that part out. I sensed that the Lord was saying <laughs> to me based on exegetical. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that like, no, just keep doing the work. I, I, I'm not calling you to do something else. Just get back at it. Why are you asking me? Just go do the work. Yeah. Well, I want to, I do think we need to go on record that you did know about the Trinity before six months ago. This is but, correct. But you're, you're exploring the ineffable riches of, of God. How, what does that look like? What does that feel like? How would you 
express that when it happens in a moment in ministry or when you're reflecting. If you do this because of that, I'm assuming that you also, by God's grace, experience that. Mm -hmm. What's it like when you do? You mean like in, in a moment of ministry where how does that doctrine come to come to bear? Yeah, ministry or just meditation. Uh, how do you experience God in your work, I guess, is what I'm trying to help uh, us understand. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is is realizing the richness of the of the sonship that we've been given. I mean, the, the Trinity, I believe that a lot of the work uh, that I'm doing on the Trinity is helping me realize the richness of my adoption, that the the unique son has this relationship with the father from all eternity. And I'm being pulled into that realm. I'm being pulled into that orbit and, and, and tasting uh, that relationship, that type of quality, not in a unique way like he does, but in an adoptive way. And by, that's all by the power of the Holy spirit. And so I, I feel like it just, it, it, you know, it'll sound kind of corny, but it, it, it it does make your, it warms your heart. It, it, it sure. enlivens you. And I think it also just roots you in, in things that are, that are transcendent. And, um, you know, especially like over the last year and a half, I think it's been so important to be rooted in something that's, that is transcendent. I even have a little prayer that I, you know, will pray like each day to say, Lord, you know, help me to be rooted in you, the triune God, fullness of, love and joy and peace. And then I'm not going to be shaken by the day's events. I'm not going to be uprooted. I'm not going to be, you know, my heart's not going Wonderful. to, get, you know, too up or too down because I am in him. That's wonderful. You know, when you and I started ministry, uh, when most of us start ministry, we have these grand ambitions, whether or not we'll articulate them or you know, outwardly or just keep them to ourselves, even if we don't always understand them ourselves, which I think is most often the case for, for ministers. Uh, they're pretty grand in scope. Mm -hmm. And and by God's mercies over time, if we don't tab out or screw up, the vision that you just described for a Thursday in ministry is wonderfully rich. It's very simple. It's you know, honestly, David, that's not going to sell at the next church planting seminar somebody does, because that's just not the way we work. But but in terms of uh, sustaining ministry for another 20 years till you're in your 70s yeah, and enjoying it, yeah, man, that's everything, isn't it? I, I think so, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't sell, but I think it's, it sustains you. Yeah, it's... Yeah. That's ordinary ministry from an ordinary minister in the ordinary church. Yeah. But um, we're going to get it pretty grounded now because we've been talking about all these wonderful spiritual things. What <laughs> what I like to ask the guys that we're, we're processing through in this series is, uh, what's a challenge? What's a rock in your shoe that you have tried to get out of your shoe hmm. over and over again? And what does that do to your joy in ministry? What are some obstacles that you just cannot work your way around or they always come back? Oh man. Uh, there are a lot of rocks in my shoes. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've always, like you talked about ambition at the beginning, I, I thought, Oh, in resurrection, it'll get going. And five years later, we'll be big enough to plant a daughter church and all this. And that, 
you know, here we are 14 years later and, and we haven't planted a daughter church. And I, I think, I think probably the biggest ones that are challenges that have consistently uh, stumped me are the inability to build a culture of evangelism, training people for evangelism and modeling evangelism. And I've wrestled with that a lot and tried different things, Christianity Explored and other training seminars, and it's always kind of fizzled. And um, I think related to that is the inability to galvanize and, and, and recruit people and build teams. And uh, I, I really admire guys, uh, like some of the guys in our network who who are galvanizers, who can just rally people and are innovative and they can build, uh, build ministries from the ground up. And I'm, I'm much more of a, of a steady Freddie, you know, put me in coach, I'll do the work kind of a guy. And I'm not the innovator galvanizer. And I, I, you know, I've had to come to grips with the fact that's just, that's just the way I am. And that's okay. You know, I got to find then on our leadership team at the church, I got to find, other guys and other women, men and women to, uh, to be in those types of roles. So that's a challenge to learn what we're never going to be good at. But, uh, but I would say one thing you're good at, which is pretty important is uh, you're a pretty good lover of souls, brother. So the agape is a pretty good leadership style. Well, Uh, and uh, there's, you know, the other side of the equation is someone who can build uh, a lot of things really fast that, work well Mm -hmm. but um you know you're present with people and you you care about them and god uses that god absolutely uses that but it's uh not always dynamic ministry almost is honestly ministry is almost never dynamic Uh, if you're thinking about going into ministry hear us say this ministry is almost never dynamic this is, the part, this is the part of the podcast where it's becoming therapy for me. Isn't it? <laughs> well, for me too. Am I paying you, am I paying you for therapy after this? Uh, um, no, no, this is all free. So uh, the, uh, but let's talk about that ministry. It's uh, I, I sketched this out with another guy. Uh, it's February in the Northwest. It's been raining forever. It's going to rain forever. And you're doing ordinary ministry and you forgot that we talked about how cool it was in this podcast <laughs> and, and you're just there does that ever get you down? And like, what sneaks up on you when you're just like, man, I'm still doing this 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate in just, um, with the family that I was raised in family of origin in terms of the way God wired me. I don't tend to, I don't tend to get way down. Uh, you know, and I like rain and, and so that's, a blessing that I am, I feel very grateful for that. But there are moments where, you know, you feel like, what am I doing? Why aren't we growing? Uh, I, does anybody really appreciate how hard I'm working? Uh, or, or you feel like you're stuck in second gear? Like what, why can't we have a more professional this or that, you know, a nicer website, sure. uh, better this or that. And why can't we be like that other church that has more programs or extra staff, you know, and those, those are the February thoughts I have is like, uh, why, why don't I just go team up with a bigger operation? Do you think that you'd be happy three years into that? I mean, I know we're making up scenarios, but. (laughs) I don't, I don't think that would, that's not, that's not really the itch. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What about contentment? Uh, 
Are you content? Are you more content than you used to be? Uh, I know that's a pretty abstract question, but give us your best sense of where you are on the contentment continuum. Yeah, I I think I'm more content. I think I went through a period, you know, seven years ago, like at the seven-year mark of the church, where I was definitely not content. And then I think I went through a similar period maybe three, four years ago. Um, But... Now I'm much more, I'm much more content. I think, you know, part of that's getting older. You get into your fifties and you realize this is just, this is just who I am. This is just, this is, this is my role. And I don't have to overanalyze it. And exactly. just, you know, like in the movie, what's the movie with uh, the, the alien movie with Mel Gibson and his brother is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and they did. You know, uh, I I don't I I'm too spiritual to watch movies. Right, exactly. Um, sign movie sign. sign. Oh yeah, that is kind of creepy. And, and where the brother, they just say, "Swing away, Merrill," and he just swings the bat. Yeah. And I just I just feel like my job is to swing away, my little role, my little corner of the kingdom. Um, you know, Jesus is building his kingdom. Keep showing up. Keep doing the next thing. Make the next phone call. Write the next sermon. Uh, and he's, he's going to use it for his glory and he's, it's, you know, it's up to him. And so that's, I feel like if I do those things and if I have a clear conscience ethically and morally, then I can put my head on the pillow and say, all right, well, that was a, that was a a good day and it was worth doing. So let's extrapolate that. Let's say you're an old man. Uh, is, have you just described if you could do that consistently, is that success for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I really resonate with uh, with the Kent Hughes book on liberating ministry from success syndrome, where he, you know, he, you know, he talked about how it was a train, by the way, in the background. He talked about how he, um, you know, he started out, he was going to be a rock star church planter and it fizzled. And then uh, it was only after that, a few years later, that he, that he took the pulpit at the church where it got real big at College Church Wheaton. But he wrote this book for pastors wrestling with evaluating success through budget and size of church and how many programs and all that. And he, he has these chapters that says, you know, success is loving success is prayer. Success is humility. Success is holiness. And I really feel like that's, that's the truth. And I would much rather have a close walk with Jesus, a family that loves me and respects me, my character intact with, you know, without having scandalized the church that I would rather have all those things in a church that's small than have a big platform and all those temptations that go with, with, with being a, a big project. Yeah. You know? That's what I want. Uh, my experience and you and I've talked about this before. I think yours intersects with it. My forties were about coming to, like turns and recognizing my limitations. And then my fifties, which are going to be done here in about six months, uh, were about like realizing how great that was. You know, it's just like, and really embracing it and come to, to the place where I wish I'd come earlier. It's like, man, if I'm running out of time to be happy, I better stop waiting for the next thing to come before I'm happy. Yeah. Or it's gonna, or it's gonna be over. So that's really good. That is, that is wise. I mean, that's. I think that's that will be. I, I hope the discovery for me through my fifties is, I'm so blessed. Yeah, you are. I know your family. Yeah, you could have done a lot worse, brother. So <laughs> definitely, definitely.
Uh, what what's parts of ministry really um, like when you're doing them, even if they're not you know, uh, big splashy kind of ex- exciting things, but when you're in that zone, when do you think to yourself, man, I get to do this job. Like This is something I get paid for. Yeah. Well, I think number one is probably just wrestling with scripture and preparing the sermon, the process each week, the kind of the weekly sermon process, right? I love that discovery and that, that search and, and sure. uh, digging into the text and having it speak to me and then thinking, what do God's people need to hear? Um, and then just, I think, I, I, I love being able to, to listen to people and, and just uh, embody a, a loving presence to let them know. I, I really feel like, you know, there's something mystical and powerful about a pastor representing Christ, you know, having a conversation with a person and valuing them and listening to them and showing that they really matter and them feeling like, wow, Jesus cares about me because that guy cares about me. Yeah. And that's, that's very satisfying, you know, and, and um, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's fairly regular that you get to do that in a, in a small church. Well, it's part of the glory of a small church. So let's, in that space where we stand for, in a manner of speaking, Jesus, that works both ways. There's a richness and joy to it, but also it exposes us to some some wounds. And I know you've experienced those as yeah. well. How do you process those when they happen? Uh, I know by now you expect that that's just part of what we do. But yeah. how, how do you work through it? so that you can go back and meet with another person at another time. Well, again, it goes back to that uh, sort of being rooted in the Trinity. I mean, I have this little prayer, like, because uh, because some of the wounds from um, three or four years ago led to a season of, of self-examination, of reading about, um, uh, reading books on like, you know, family systems and, uh, Edwin Friedman's failure of nerve and, and things like that. And sorry, there's it's okay. the fire department and the police department are outside my door. Um, there are, there's something happened to that train we yeah. heard a little while ago. Yeah. They're all, everything's like two blocks away. Um, I think it drove me to a lot of reflection and reading and, and, and that was helpful uh, to realize there's a, there's a danger for me, especially as a people pleaser of, what you know, Friedman calls the failure of nerve, where you're allowing toxic things to continue because you don't want to rock the boat. You want to be nice, but there's a flip side danger of of um, of uh, what another author calls a failure of heart, where you you're so guarded and you're so detached and you become cynical. And, and I have so I have this prayer, uh, you know, Lord, help me help me to be engaged and but not enmeshed. And oh, that's good. Uh, based on, and then that goes with being rooted in God himself in the triune God. He's my fullness. He's my joy. And so I can risk, I can reach out and love and, and take those risks and know that I will be at times wounded. But I also know that I don't want to go the, you know, the other end where I'm, where I'm so guarded because you know, that's one of the effects that the wounds have had on me is I, I used to be much more just open ended trusting of anyone and now I'm much more guarded and much more cautious about partnering with people and kind of wait and see how this goes. Uh, and I know that 
that, that can be a sad feature of the ministry where you become suspicious, you know, of, of relationships. Well, but it's necessary. You know, Jesus said, shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, being willing to expose yourself to being hurt in ministry is, you can't do ministry unless you're up for that. Mm-hmm. But um, you also have to be a steward of those things and uh, mm-hmm. and be aware that uh, you don't, you know, as someone told me, as a life coach once told me that if you met him, you might think he was a counselor, but I didn't have a counselor. I had a life coach. Um, <laughs> my counselor told me once, he goes, Mike, you know, every once in a while you can pull the cord on the parachute. You don't have to splat every time. Yeah. And uh, I think if that's true, I needed to hear that. But I would say that uh, if that's all I ever do, you know, then I'm not following Christ into people's lives. And I don't really, I'm still 30 plus years into this thing. I really don't know how to balance that, but I do yeah. know you get, you get to process it. And think that, about that, that's really hard. I, I still am trying to figure that out too, where you, you, you know that part of the calling is to bear the pain and to enter into people's lives and take some of that pain onto yourself. And that's the way of the cross. Yes. And on the other hand, I need to be resilient. I need to, I need to be, la- I need to last for years to come. And therefore I have to have some, uh, emotional wholeness. Exactly. And, and so how do you juggle those two things, you know, is not an easy, easy thing. I've read a lot about it. I've thought a lot about it. And it's, uh, I don't have a formula for that. That's probably another series we could explore. So let, let's go to the other side of it, though. Yeah. Uh, ministry uh, is really rich and satisfying. It's a great job. It's, uh, it, and it's an honor to be able to do what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a question that sometimes is awkward for a pastor to answer, but uh, what makes you feel respected and appreciated in ministry? What are those, mo- what are those moments like? Oh, I think, you know, it's those moments where somebody says uh, not just, Hey, good sermon. Cause then you don't know what that means, but where they say, you know, you said this one thing and it really spoke to my situation with my family. Yeah. And, and they give you a specific thing where you think, wow, and often, of course, it's those things where it wasn't in your notes. It was like a throwaway comment that <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, oh, I wish I would have I could have saved myself a lot of time. Um, <laughs> but uh, those moments where people say, you know, God's word spoke to me today because of your labors. Um, that th- Those are sweet and satisfying moments. I think I feel respected and appreciated you know, a lot by my my family and my folks, my parents are very encouraging and Sarah's very encouraging. So that, uh, they're, they're very affirming. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like I go back to being a people pleaser, I'm still working that out, still repenting of that. And, um, there are comments, you know, they're, they're on the flip side. I'm turning it in, I'm turning this question into a negative now. You're uh, such a good Presbyterian. Uh, go. Talk about depravity. Um, but, uh, you know, there are comments people have made to me that's five, six years ago that stung that I still think about, you know, like, we, sure. uh, like, like, like a, there was a, there was an elder meeting where one elder, there were only, uh, four of us. And the one elder said, I don't know anybody who works harder than elder a, uh, well, except for elder B. So he named the other two guys. <laughs> <laughs> And I was the only one that was left out of that equation as a hard worker. (laughs) 
Dude, it's yeah. The, we've all got a, a bunch of those, but you know, and uh, I'm still obviously I'm still not over that. I'm I'm still talking about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've seen you work super hard. So how does that help? Well, so, thank you. Yeah, that but, that helps. That helps. You know, the the other thing too, though, you get you get to want to be liked and respected. That's yeah. not bad. It's what we do with that. It's it's we're made for that. You know, to be loved and to be valued. And sure, I have, uh, I've done a lot of damage in ministry trying to find that in the wrong ways, but the fact that you want it and we want it is, is not bad. Yeah. So here, here's where we're going to land. And, uh, I've been, uh, bringing these discussions to this space. Cause I know that resurrection, like every other church has got unique treasures and gifts that we would all do really well to have in our congregation. So, so here's, here's how we cue this up. Yeah. You can, in one prayer, take one thing from resurrection and uh, God will give it to all the churches in the Northwest or all the churches in North America. They'll never know it came from David Scott and resurrection. <laughs> It'll just be there. What gift would you give? I think it would be the way that we do the moment of the assurance of pardon where uh, we, we, you know, first of all, every church could stand to have that moment of, of confession of sin, assurance of pardon, which many evangelical churches don't have that type of moment. Uh, but the way that the way that we are able to to say, here, you know, here's this verse that reminds you of God's assuring pardon. Uh now, know, therefore, you are loved, you, have, you matter to God, you are his child, he is committed to you with a relentless, tenacious, steadfast love. I think that type of moment, I mean, it gets real, often gets real quiet because people are just starving to hear that. And some of them never heard it before, you know, or they, or they didn't get it in their family of origin that they were loved. And uh, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing I, I like that we we have liturgy, we have a formal style of service, but there's a there's a dominant note that I hope is coming through loud and clear that people are are forgiven, they are loved, they're you know, God, the apple of God's eye, they are His treasured possession. He's singing over them, and all those kinds of things. Wonderful. I could use some of that. Personally, we have that at Trinity, but man, I'd want that everywhere because that's really the gospel and that's what's sustaining yeah. you in ministry as well. So, mm -hmm. David, I'm, I so much appreciate you and have real love for you and thank you for all your work and thank you for giving us part of your day. Well, Mike, you have been a huge blessing and influence on me. Thank you for all the ways that you've uh, connected at my in my story here from way back at Green Lake and then on the network and you are yeah. a huge encouragement. Thank you. Well, let's keep moving forward together, brother. Thanks. And thanks for listening, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Urbangelical is a ministry of the Northwest Church Planting Network in Seattle, Washington. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please visit nwcpnetwork.com and click Podcasts.